my name is Tracy Reynolds. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you. <laughs> I can speak louder. Uh, thanks, Bree, for asking me to um, share my experience with you guys. Um, you know, I'm, as most people who share their story, I am very nervous. Um, and it's hard to come up here and, and be vulnerable. Um, it's my ego uh, wants you guys to like me. Um, and that's not the purpose of me being up here today. Um, the, the whole reason that we do tell our stories is to carry the message of recovery. Um, so whether you are new to AA and this is one of your first meetings or whether you have long-term sobriety, um, I really hope that you hear something tonight that keeps you coming back. Um, so my sobriety date is July 19th, 2018. Uh, my home group is the Fourth Dimension group of Clayton. Uh, we meet the same time that you guys meet, um, Tuesday, Thursday at seven, but we also meet at seven. Uh, we also meet on Fridays at seven. So if you're ever in Clayton, you need a Friday meeting. Uh, we're there at seven. Um, I have a sponsor that um, I keep current with, and I sponsor women uh, that keep current with me. Um, and, you know, with my home group, um, we're really similar to this group in um, that we're really close with one another. Um, we are a new group. We started uh, last March in 2022. And um, the majority of our home group members are um, newer in sobriety, um, anywhere. <coughs> the, the, the core group of people who are um, active in service there are anywhere from, you know, a year and a half sobriety down. Um, and um, the, the two active long timers that we have uh, is myself and my husband and with you know, four and a half and five and a half years of sobriety. Um, so it's been very humbling to be, um, to, to watch this group of newer sobriety people uh, like come together as this family and to have fellowship days and to have people to watch um, people with a lot less sobriety than me be really on fire for Alcoholics Anonymous and to be passionate about sponsoring and um, I think we have, you know, there's a dozen people in here that are from the Clayton area um, and that's what we do for each other, you know, we, we, we rally around each other and, and we support one another and um, that's how we stay sober is a lot of the fellowship. Um, I have learn to to call the people in my home group um you know they're my friends and um growing up i really didn't have friends um my childhood was very isolated um my mom i'm not sure if she was an alcoholic or not i never had the chance to ask her or we never had a chance to discuss that sort of topic um before she died when i was 16. um but I believe that my mom was an alcoholic and she um, projected a lot of her um, fears 
in the world onto me as a child. Um, and so I really didn't learn how to make friends. I really didn't learn how to um, dress or do my hair or do my makeup. Um, I didn't know how to walk up um, on the playground at school and say, hey, you wanna come play with me? Um, I just, I was so afraid of everything and I isolated a lot. Um, so when I got sober was the first time that I really learned how to even make friends. I didn't have that social, um, I didn't have that socialization growing up. Um, so a little bit about uh, what, what I was like. Um, so like I said, you know, I, I grew up with my mom and my stepdad um, and my sister was kind of in and out of the house. Um, but I was very isolated with my mom um, alone in the, in the house. And um, she taught me from a really young age a couple of different things. She taught me um, anger is a form of communication. She taught me that slamming doors and running away and um, yelling from across the house was appropriate. Um, she taught me that um, if you met a man who had money that you really didn't have to work and that he would take care of you. Um, <laughs> she, and she taught me how to drink. Those were the things, um, she was a very loving mom. I'm not up here to bash her. She, I, I know I was a very wanted child. Um, she loved me very much. Uh, but I think that, you know, some of her projection, you know, she projected a lot of things onto me. Um, but, you know, from a very young age, like talking um, in, single digits of age, um, it was acceptable in my household um, to drink. Um, New Year's, I could have a glass of champagne. If we were having pasta, it was a great opportunity to have a glass of wine. Um, she taught me how to make Bloody Marys and gin and tonics and Mai Tais and margaritas. Um, that was our form of bonding in my household, was to drink. Um, and a lot of times it was just my, my mom and myself. Um, so the first time I blacked out, I was 10 years old and I was really fond of white Russians. And I thought if I just cut the milk out, I'll just get the Kahlua and that's, you know, just get straight to the point. Um, so, you know, 10, year old, 10 years old, took the bottle of Kahlua, drank the whole thing, woke up with, uh, blacked out, woke up with vomit all over me. And I don't remember getting in trouble for that. I think it was sort of just laughed off and, you know, they probably just replaced the bottle of Kahlua. Um, but the, the point that I want to make about that story is that I did it in isolation. I did it alone. I was 10 years old and, and I was completely isolated. Um, I wasn't at a party, I wasn't doing it to fit in, um, I was just doing it to cope. It, it was just the only way that I knew how to cope with the anger and the fear um, that I had and the emptiness that I just had inside of me.
Um, so by the age of 13, I was taking alcohol to school with me and um, I would drink, you know, immediately after school. Um, Um, I would, yeah, I would take it on the school bus with me, and um, I, I wasn't there to impress anybody. I was just there to, to get through, just get through the day, get home, get to my alcohol, no extracurricular activities, um, just me alone in my room. Um, so by the time I got to 16, I was pretty seasoned drinker, um, kept a pretty steady stash in my closet um, and uh, 16 my mom died uh, very suddenly and um, I had to go and live with uh, my father and I so I moved in with him and I didn't really have as much access to alcohol then um, so there was a lot of um, self-harm that went on and um, still the isolation. I had just, in high school, I couldn't figure out how to, I just couldn't figure out how the other girls were, were doing, what they were doing, having conversations, just having friends after school, going over to one another's houses. I just didn't understand how to do that. Um, so I just kind of stayed away. Um, I learned, uh, Pretty early on after I, I moved out of my dad's house, I learned what my mom had taught me, that um, finding a man who could take care of me, I could drink the way that I wanted to drink. Um, that's really all that I was living for was alcohol. Um, there was no other purpose in my life. Um, so, you know, I would get into relationship after relationship and they would take care of me and, you know, sometimes I would work, sometimes I wouldn't work. Um, oftentimes I would get fired uh, because alcohol was just more important than working. And I knew that I was financially secure because I had somebody who was taking care of me. Um, by the time I got to, um, 20 years old, uh, you know, not even legal age of drinking, um, I was living with a guy and he drank the exact same way that I drank. Um, he, you know, again, I had found a drinking partner and um, so we, we drank, you know, together every single night and he took care of me and that was really just all that I needed in the world. Um, so by the time I got to, uh, by the time I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was incredibly broken. I was so defeated. Um, I had just drowned out my entire life with alcohol. I had never even, I had never even started to, there, some people when they talk about their stories, they say that Alcoholics Anonymous gave them their life back. 
I didn't have a life to get back. I had never even started my life. Um, I had just consumed it with alcohol. Um, so I got to Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 26 years old. Um, I had been, I had been fired from my job, um, for drinking on the job because I couldn't go more than a couple of hours without taking a drink. Um, I had been dumped. Um, I was living in this woman's basement who, um, you know, she, she, she had some compassion for me and um, I was living in this woman's basement and I was mostly unable to pay rent. Sometimes I had some help from my, my parents um, but I would uh, pay rent by cleaning her house and um, I had woken up from a three-day binge. I was at a casino hotel and I had woken up from a three-day binge and my whole body was shaking. Um, I was to the point where every time I would wake up from passing out, because I wasn't even sleeping, it was, it was just passing out, waking up. I would wake up and I would immediately be hallucinating, um, almost immediately be detoxing. Um, so I woke up in this hotel room, my phone was dead, I didn't have a change of clothes, I think I had been there for three days. Um, I was shaking, my heart was beating out of my chest, I was hallucinating, um, and all I knew how to do was, the person that I was with, I ended up taking their phone, I knew my dad's number, I called my dad, and I just said, I really need help, I don't know how to stop drinking. Um, and my dad was the one who directed me to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, he really started the ball rolling with, um, he was trying to get me into rehab. He um, reached out to like a, a counselor, a substance abuse counselor. And, um, you know, he, he and then he, he gave me the address to a AA meeting and he said, go to this meeting and, um, you know, see, see what happens. You know, I don't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. My dad didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. He just was trying to throw everything at me that he could. He was just trying to help me. Um, and at my first meeting, um, I had taken a couple shots before I walked in because I was, I don't know, I need the courage, you know, uh, I can't do anything sober. Um, and I, I, I go in and I'm facing where the steps are on the wall and I'm staring at them and I hear everybody sharing things that I had never been able to explain before. Or if I had been trying to explain them to somebody before, um, I would just get kind of confused looks and, and people didn't know what I was talking about and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about those things anymore. Um, but people in, in the meeting, they were talking about things that, that had only been going on in my head. Um, they had talked about how they were powerless over alcohol. Um, they were talking about the things that they had done um, when they were drinking. Um, but then they had also, they said that there was a solution. 
and I remember feeling very confused but very relieved after my first meeting. Um, what I know now, what happened for me is that people in that meeting were practicing traditions, they were practicing, um, they, they had a lot of grace. Um, they could see, and I've seen it in other people now in my sobriety, where, um, you know, I walked in and I was shaking and I was so desperate. And I've seen other people come in that way and it's, it's like they just wanted to hug me and hold me and tell me it's gonna be okay, there's a solution, but you, you gotta do some work. You gotta do something about this. Uh, we can't do it for you. Um, so after that meeting, there was a man um, named Larry Topper who um, I was going down to my car and I was trying to get away and trying to, you know, just probably go to drink. And he, he got in between me and the door and I was, you know, halfway to my car and um, he gave me a big book and he gave me a stack of um, speaker CDs and he said, uh, listen to these speaker CDs and um, read this book and keep coming back. And anytime I started to get a little squirrely, uh, Larry would sort of um, get with me after the meeting and kind of have a little meeting after the meeting and he would explain to me uh, there were different things that I didn't understand what was going on in the meetings and he would kind of explain to me um, You know say everybody was talking about having a spiritual experience and Larry would kind of get between me and the door and he would say You know, um, it, it's it's not the God that you think that they're talking about um, You know the spiritual experience. It's not a bright white light experience uh, Like maybe some people are trying to boast about uh, Maybe they had that experience, but you don't have to have that same experience and, um, you know, the most important thing that he did for me was um, he just made me feel really welcome and he made me feel really at home. Um, he would take me out to Mexican food afterwards and um, he really, really encouraged me to get my first sponsor. Um, so, I, I got my first sponsor and we started working the steps and this isn't good or bad, um, but uh, this woman, she had 35 years of sobriety, whereas I had, I couldn't stay sober. I had zero, zero days of sobriety. Um, and she was just on this spiritual plane of existence that, um, I could not reach in early sobriety. I could not understand the words that she was talking about. Um, it was very, very confusing to me. And so I did this really, really um, rudimentary, basic, go through the steps with her. Um, and we weren't, go we weren't in the book together. We weren't, um, you know, anytime we'd come up on a step, um, you know, it would be like the third step, and, and I would ask, I would say, oh, well, I hear some other people saying the third step prayer. 
should we do, like, I was asking her, like, should we do the third step prayer? And, and she would say, oh, you can if you want, you know. Um, and then I'd, you know, I'd say, well, oh, I read this in the big book earlier today, like, um, should I do my fourth step this way? And she's, oh, you, you know, you can if you want, you know, just, just do it, just do it. She just kept saying, just do it. And so I did, I just, I just did it to the best of my ability. Um, and I really, I really leaned on, um, some long timers that I had in my home group. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so that sort of, that relationship sort of drifted off. Um, I, I was really angry. Um, so what happened when I got sober was you take away the uh, coping mechanism and all of those childhood emotions that I was trying to mask for so long were still there. Uh, I just didn't have the thing to mask it with anymore. Um, so I reverted back instead of being completely subdued by alcohol, um, I reverted back to being incredibly angry um, and incredibly fearful. Um, <coughs> the only socialization that I had at that point at 26 years old was AA meetings. So I would come to AA meetings and I was incredibly angry. Um, what ended up happening with that home group um, was they did things very differently than what I'm used to now in sobriety um, and what I've learned um, how I prefer to do sobriety now. Um, that home group was very lenient on things. Um, we were lenient. We didn't have a structured uh, meeting format. We didn't have a structured um, so how it would go is this meeting, it met every single day, seven days a week, four times a day. And um, it was just open discussion. So anybody could come in and chair the meeting and um, you just would open up the book and read something out of the book and then you would just have a meeting on whatever somebody read out of the book. Um, it, it was very um, unstructured. And I think that that works for a lot of people. Um, you know, it says that we're, uh, that we need the least amount of organization and they really took that to the extreme. <laughs> the least amount of organization possible. Um, but that made me so angry because everybody else seemed to have this solution and everybody else seemed to be able to stay sober. And I was really struggling with staying sober. I, I was so angry, I wanted to drink every waking hour the only relief that i had was to go home and, and to sleep um i had no solution my first sponsor you know i i didn't get a spiritual awakening going through the steps with her i i just was more confused um but everybody else who was at meetings seemed to have this solution and i didn't know what it was um and i couldn't figure it out and every time we would Every time I would go to a meeting, um, inevitably somebody would walk in the door late and they would say, what's the topic on? And then somebody else would say, alcoholism. <laughs> well, of course it's the topic, but we need more of a, you know, topic. <laughs> um, 
So at six months of sobriety, I was really fed up with the lack of structure at my home group. And I thought that I, you know, I knew better. So I went to my group conscience business meeting and I bought up a bunch of As Bill Sees It books and I went and I told them every Wednesday at noon, I'm going to have an As Bill Sees It meeting. I will be there. Here's the books. I'm donating them to the group and I will pick a topic and we are going to stick to that topic and everybody's going to share about that topic. <laughs> so, just had to be so controlling. But you know what? Whether that was right or wrong or right or wrong motives, I, I did the As Bill Sees It meeting every Wednesday at noon almost without fail unless I was sick um, for two years. And, and that really sustained me. Um, it was so, you know, we were, <laughs> we were at dinner before this and um, I was talking about how it, my sobriety was so, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, I really didn't do that much in early sobriety. Um, I, I think the As Bill Sees It meeting was the one meeting I went to a week. I wasn't calling my sponsor. At some points I didn't have a sponsor. I certainly didn't have a higher power. Um, there are often times where we talk about um, not having the willpower to stay sober. Um, and for very brief moments, um, I really, I had to white knuckle my sobriety. I did not have a solution. Um, there were days that I just needed to stay sober a little bit. I just needed to want to stay sober just a little bit more than I wanted to get drunk. And like, I wanted to get drunk so badly. Um, but I knew that there was a solution. I knew that there was relief. Everybody kept promising me relief. Um, so I had gotten a second sponsor and she was my age and she was a, a, maybe a year and a half more sober, uh, had more sobriety, year and a half more sobriety than I had. And she had just finished her steps and I was her first sponsee and so she was taking me through the steps and she was very diligent and she did it the way that um, a lot of the things that she did is the way that I still do it today. Um, you know, having me call every day. Um, we went through the steps out of the book, exactly, you know, how it says. And the fourth step, you know, we, we did the fourth step out of the book. She showed me what the third step prayer is because I really wanted to know. <laughs> and, you know, we, we knelt down and we did the third step prayer together. Um, and things started to kind of come off in layers, you know, a little bit, a, another layer came off from, from the first experience with a sponsor. Um, 
and we got to the 12th step. I, I started sponsoring women. Um, I started to become really passionate about Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it really was my lifeline. Um, I started to be able to be a little bit more social with people. Um, I still was very angry. Um, I, I still was very controlling. I really, I wanted to control how the meetings went. I wanted, um, you know, I'd be angry if um, things didn't go away that I thought that they needed to go in the meetings. Um, you know, again, I, I had no socialization outside of Alcoholics Anonymous, so this became my family, my friends. Um, but what I really appreciate about that experience that I have is that um, I, I got to practice so many things in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and then if I made mistakes in AA, um, everybody just gave me grace and would be so compassionate and just kept telling me to keep coming back. Um, so, um, I had about 18 months of sobriety and my second sponsor drank, um, which I had heard through so many you know, so many speaker meetings, so many uh, different people's experiences is that that is one of those turning points where um, a lot of people relapse over that. Um, I've, I've heard time and time and time again where people say, um, well, my sponsor drank, so I drank. Um, and so when my sponsor drank and she called me up and she, you know, she, it was like the day after she drank and she said, I'm, I'm going to go to rehab and, you know, I, I obviously can't be your sponsor anymore. I immediately went and tried to get a new sponsor. Um, I, I, I just was still so desperate and so terrified. I, I have, I have continued to stay terrified of drinking again. Um, I knew I had replayed the tape so many times in my head of what my last days of drinking looked like. Um, that, um, you know, that I was to the point that suicide just seemed much easier than what I was dealing with. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to go back to that. Um, so even though I remember thinking when my sponsor drank, I was really jealous of her. I was jealous that she got to drink again. Um, and I told that to Larry, and, and you know, Larry was kind of my, my spiritual guru. Um, and, and I said that to Larry. I said, I'm really, I'm really jealous that she got to drink again. I really want to drink again. But I don't want to drink again, but I, I just want to, you know, I, I want that, I want that re release. I, I didn't, I hadn't quite got um, a spiritual awakening yet. I hadn't gotten um, that recovery yet. And Larry said, well, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell her that you're jealous of her and see what she says? And so I did, I called her up and I said, I'm really, really jealous. <laughs> it's funny because I didn't think that that was funny. 
<laughs> it's funny. Uh, I didn't know that was a laughing moment. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I did. I called her up and I told her that. And she told me how incredibly miserable it was. She told me exactly what I needed to hear. Um, and that's the purpose, you know, that, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons that, um, I continue to work with new women, um, is that I need to hear that over and over and over again. I need to replay the tape, not only for myself, but I need to hear other women, um, repeatedly tell me that it, it doesn't work out there. It doesn't work. It will never work. Um, so, um, uh, my husband Patrick and I, we moved out to North Carolina, uh, almost two years ago, and, um, I really thought that I knew I really thought that I knew this book. I really was passionate. I really, um, we had, I was really passionate about Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I had been sponsoring women. I had um, gone through the steps for a third time with another woman. Um, I really was, um, it had solidified, it had totally solidified in my head that, that, that there was a solution here. I knew what the solution was. I knew how to talk about the steps. Um, I knew how to, to talk with other women about it. I knew, um, how to make people feel welcome and, um, but there was a couple things that I was missing. And when Patrick and I moved out here, I think we both really thought um, that, that we knew like what this thing was about and um, we got out here and the meetings um, were still a, a lot of the meetings were still shut down from COVID um, we moved in early uh, 2021 and um, all of a sudden you know I was without a home group I was without a sponsor, I was, I was without my sponsees, um, and I was in a lot of fear. And, you know, what I know now is that I still um, had not recovered. Um, I was obsessing about drinking every single day. I was obsessing about drinking every single day um, for the first <clears throat> three years of my recovery. I don't know at what point that, that went away, um, but I can tell you today that it has. Um, minus a few very, very brief moments of um, thinking about alcohol, that, you know, I, I do know that I have recovered today. Um, and so when I got out here, I, I really thought that I knew what like a home group was supposed to look like. I thought that I knew what meetings were supposed to look like. And um, I became very angry at Alcoholics Anonymous in North Carolina. Uh, 
look, anger is in my whole story. So. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day to not be angry, but we're not there yet. Um, so, um, we went to Cleveland 12-step group in Clayton, and um, we were welcomed um, by, I mean, specifically by two people who are in the room tonight, and a man and a woman, and um, Patrick had ended up asking the man to sponsor him, and I asked the woman to sponsor me. And um, what that group showed us was, what that group showed me was that um, I really knew nothing about sobriety. I really knew nothing about Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know, um, it's, it's even hard to describe like what I didn't know, but um, they, what they do, I, I believe this group does very similar, but anyway, what they do over there is, um, they, they go through the step, they go through the tradition. Um, and back in Colorado, we had never gone through the traditions. I didn't know anything about the traditions. Um, and starting to learn what the traditions are um, and how they work and how they help um, an AA group was really um, eye-opening for me. I realized that even though back in Colorado, um, we didn't study the traditions. A lot of the long timers um, used the traditions um, in our group. And um, most of what the traditions are about is about humility. Um, it, it teaches me to take a step back and to know that um, this really isn't about me, that it's about the group, it's about unity. Um, that I really don't need to walk around and tell people what to do and that I, I don't need to come into to my home group directing people. Um, so the sponsor that I had out here in North Carolina, um, I, figure, I figured this out now um, recently but I, I had not found my higher power yet. Um, each of the steps that I had gone through, um, I really was kind of borrowing other people's concepts of higher powers. Um, I, I really didn't have a connection to anything. Um, I, I really tried, um, you know, to the best of my ability, but this was another huge like layer that got peeled off um, when I came out here and worked the steps again. Um, was that that second and third step? Um, what ended up happening is um, I I turned my will and my life over to the care of Alcoholics Anonymous to the twelve steps and the twelve traditions. Um, the principles that the steps and the traditions teach me to be, um, that is something very tangible. That's something very, um, it's something that I can, can work towards. Um, 
being stagnant is not part of my sobriety. Um, I, I need to keep my feet moving and I need something to work towards, um, something to be attainable. And the principles are something that I can obtain. It's something that I can be. It's, it's something that I can feel. Um, you know, a lot of those things I am today. Um, I'm really not an angry person anymore. Um, I, I, do, I do this motion a lot with my sponsees. I, I just wanna be even. I just wanna be right here. I don't wanna be up here. I don't wanna be up, down here. You know, I just, whatever it is, whatever, if we're talking about character defects, if we're talking about um, being of service, I don't want to do everything, but I don't want to do too little either. I just want to be right in the middle, you know? Um, with AA, like, I don't want to be so on fire that I'm running around, like, telling everybody about AA and that it's the best thing ever and it's the only thing that's gonna keep you sober and you know, but I don't wanna be at the bottom too where I'm where I'm hiding my sobriety and I'm I'm in the shadows and I'm completely anonymous, you know? I just wanna be right here. And I think today, like I'm I'm just I'm right here. Um and I I'm so grateful for that. Um it so I really want to end with this story. Um, there's a gentleman um, who's now passed away. His name's Don Pritz. And um, he was very influential in Denver, um, where I came from, in Colorado. Um, he was always at this place called York Street. And York Street is kind of like the, the hen house of Denver. It's like where everybody goes to meet for Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Um, and Don Pritz um, sponsored a man named Dick Daly, and Dick Daly sponsored Larry Topper. And Larry Topper, although he was not my sponsor, he pretty much was my sponsor and very influential person in my life. Um, and when Patrick and I moved out here uh, to North Carolina, um, we, through the you know, through shared experiences heard the name Don Pritz and um, found out that he was very influential in this area of North Carolina as well um, and that he worked very closely with um, my you know my sponsor sponsor and my sponsor 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 you know um, and that he that um, It was just one of those spiritual experience, spiritual experiences that I had to know that he was so influential in Denver. Um, and to ask my friend Janie, who has 43 years of sobriety, did, did you know Don Pritz? And she said, Don Pritz saved my life. Um, and I was listening to a speak, uh, a, a, I was listening to a speaker CD that um, Don Pritz did with Tom I. And Don said, something that's really stuck with me. And he said, um, long after I'm gone, I want the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to be carried on. Um, and when I heard him say that, it was like, wow, you know, his message of Alcoholics Anonymous has continued to carry on um, 
through me and I get to continue that I get to carry that with me um, and so I guess my hope tonight is that my message in Alcoholics Anonymous gets to get carried on uh, and with that thank you, thank you.